We are at episode 18 of the Making Noise podcast. Welcome. My name is Adam Kanaw. I am the host. I am a composer, a guitarist, an instructor, and uh, I run this podcast. Uh, on the Making Noise podcast, it's made up of unfiltered and unedited conversations with fellow musicians. And we talk about really anything, uh, whatever comes to mind. Sometimes it works out exceptionally, sometimes not so much, but uh, I think this conversation with the wonderful Marianne Parker uh, was a fantastic one. Uh, I had so much fun talking with her. She's a uh, an absolute delight. We get to spend a lot of time together with the organization we're a part of, New Music Chicago. Marianne is the, I believe, secretary of the organization. And we both put together uh or help produce the live stream performances, which you'll hear a little bit about in this episode. But Marianne is a uh, pianist. She is also an instructor and she recently started taking up composing. And we talk about that a little bit too, which was a really, really interesting part of the conversation. Um, I wanna go to something real quick. She emailed me after our conversation and said something that I thought was just amazing and I really wanted to share with you. So she. She said, one reason I'm really thrilled to find my way around compositional confidence is that I feel it will make me a better communicator with my composer collaborators and that it's encouraging me to listen to music in a new way. And I, I was so excited that she had sent that to me. Um, it says a lot about who she is as a, as a performer, as a musician, her, her desire and interest to become better at her craft and be able to build stronger connections with her co colleagues and collaborators. You know, what more could you ask for in someone that you're working with? Um, so that's Marianne right there. Uh, and then she also sent me something else that we forgot to talk about, but uh, Marianne also helped curate a anthology of solo piano works for New Music Shelf, uh, which I believe you can pre-order right now. I'll put the link in the description, but uh, it's, it's all works of contemporary composers. Um, I think maybe 20, there's, there's so many on it. It's fantastic. Um, and I believe it's around $25 or so, but, uh, yeah, it'll be linked in the description. Yeah. So I think, I think you're in for a good experience here and, uh, a few announcements. I have a premiere coming up May 22nd, the fantastic Baya duo. I think it's Baya, B-I-A is premiering a work that I've written for them. Uh, we've been working on this for a little over a year now. It's called The Rising, the Rise and Fall. And they are a saxophone duo made up of Brianna Buck and Alexis Shiahi Chang. They are fantastic people, so much fun. They were uh, just amazing to work with and I can't wait for the performance. Uh, it's being live streamed and the performance is taking place at Oklahoma State University Museum of Art. So uh, I will link to that in the description as well. And other announcements, uh, I have some spots open in my guitar studio. Anyone who would like to have lessons, we can do it virtually. Or if you're in the Chicago area, uh, in two weeks, I'll be fully, what's the word, vaccinated, I guess. Yeah, we can have lessons. Uh, so feel free to contact me, A-K-K-E-N-N-A-U-G-H at gmail.com. And I believe that's all. So, all right, let's make some noise. My name is Adam Kanaw, and I am a collaborative composer. Join me in the search for a career in classical music.
This is the Making Noise podcast. Do you, whenever you're on a call like this or something, uh, like a Zoom call, do you always have your French press ready to go? If not French press, then yeah, usually coffee of some sort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that, the, the handiness. It's like, all right, I'm just going to reach over here. A little plunge. Yeah. No plunge and go. <laughs> what what is it about French press exactly that I've never used one? So I know like you put it inside the glass container and you push it down and like, um, but yeah, what is what does a fresh pre- French press do differently? Uh ooh, now that's a question for a coffee snob. <laughs> um <laughs> I think it's it's such an easy process personally. Like uh-huh. we do grind the beans, so that's a little extra effort. And my husband like was set on getting like the really manual burr grinder. So that's kind of makes you really strong in your right arm. But then um, <laughs> I like that it's no waste. You don't have to use any kind of disposable filter with it. And I think it might like extract more oils from the beans since they kind of all get along, sit together for like four minutes before you press down. So I think it might be like a little bit higher caffeine and you get a little more of the like full flavor, but that is that's a pianist answering that question and not a coffee snob. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense though, actually, because then the the coffee you're drinking is coming from the beans that are in that, like the, it's all in the same container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. with a drip, it's like the water has to pass through it. And then, so like the filter process is even more so. Right, and it has like less contact time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. See, now I want to invest in a, in a French press. So worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like I like um, what you said too, because David, your husband David, the wonderful uh, 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 tech tech backup production guy at the New Music Chicago presents. Uh, <laughs> the unlikely. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like that he wanted to get the crank one because um, uh, I think it was Alan Tyson when Alan Tyson was on here. We were talking about how things like cast iron skillets and uh um like straight razors for shaving Mm -hmm. last longer than the things that we use today absolutely yeah yeah and i i think that he wanted that just because he's just a little bit of a luddite and it was Mm. kind of just like (laughs) something i don't know if it's because it was long lasting or it's just fun and weird but um (laughs) we've had it for like six years and almost zero maintenance and it grinds beautiful every time (laughs) there you go do that I imagine you haven't had to buy any batteries for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like eat enough food. That's a battery. <laughs> yeah. Grind. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's that's what I like about stuff like that though, is is like um it's much more like hands-on, you know? Like you you feel so much more a part of the process. Yeah, I think I can see that. Like you enjoy the cup just a little bit more. You're a little more present than uh for the Keurig button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's like um like collaborating and stuff in a way, you know? Like with like performer and composer coming together and being like, what what sounds do you like? What what do you like to what don't you like to do? You know? <laughs> Never thought about it that way. It's so like integrated in the process. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I love I think, it. I I, I love that's one of the things that I love. I mean like as a performer and you do you do some composing too right oh um so like just starting down that journey of, yeah of seeing what's in that brain yeah i wouldn't say that yet but um something i'm kind of exploring 
I think that's awesome. How, how has that been so far for you? Uh, it, it's been wonderful. It's been really difficult to set aside time because I feel like that's um, like a fun avocation. And yeah, especially this year, like when the work comes, I feel that it comes in really large waves. And so it, it's hard sometimes to like mentally set aside the time to devote to that creative practice. Um, because I'm used to my creative practice being part of my vocation and there's like that large motivation to, to do that every day. So it, it's been, um, when I do sit down and I do make time for it, it's like such a freeing process and it's a part of my brain that just has not been exercised in quite that way. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm creative in a lot of different ways, not just with music, but like making little sketches and kind of like drawing sketches and, you know, various ways, but that's a way that, uh, for some reason I've always been had really locked away. Like I'm not a composer, I'm a performer. So it's been really fun to unlock that. So I'm going to try to be good about making that a more regular part of my, of my practice. Oh, that's cool. I, I love what you said there too, about, um, like even just having little sketches as that being a sort of different sort of creative release in a way. Yeah. That, that was something I started probably kind of before I was even um, trying to become part of the the new music community was like, I really wanted to unlock my playing in a way. I was kind of working on improvisation and working with a jazz teacher for a little while. And I thought, okay, maybe if I can get this part of my brain working with like sketches and drawing little silly comics, that this will kind of unlock like a similar key in my music brain. So that was kind of the way that I approached it back then. Um, it's just fun and silly. And I should shout out to um, my good friend, Richard Bocastro. So he's a fabulous, really wonderful composer and incredible teacher. So he's been um, the person that's been really, really graciously offering me composition lessons. It's been wonderful. Oh, that's great. So are you doing that right now? Yeah, kind of. Um, I would love for it. We would both love for it to be kind of a weekly thing, but it's been not quite so regular with, you know, both of our, um, you know, lives and things coming, but yeah, it's a yeah. current thing. That makes sense. I know. Yeah. We're, we're all definitely juggling and trying to figure things out and, you know, these crazy schedules that we all have now. And you just got back from your residency. I did. Yeah. A couple weeks now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trip, the trip back was always like, um, I, I visited my parents in New Jersey uh, for a week. And then on a Sunday, I drove back to Chicago. And then the very next day, I drove to Nebraska. Right. And so <laughs> like that little period there was like, Oh, my God, this is a, this is a little much. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I just kept going farther, farther west, which yeah. is, fu it's funny, too, because um, uh Nebraska is actually the farthest west I've been in the United States. No way. Yeah. All right. You're yeah. Manifest a little bit of destiny this spring. <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then a few days after I returned, I think we had the um, uh, the New Music Chicago presents, right? Yeah, that was the that was the most recent one, right? That you've it all kind of like tumbles <laughs> together in my brain. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I can't. I can't express enough how wonderful you are and how fun and like pertinent it's been to have you there with me for those. So 
if like people that are listening don't know what we're talking about, it's uh, we're both involved in this organization called New Music Chicago, and uh, we have a series which is NMC Presents each month, and it's <laughs> it's gone from my responsibility being to kind of host it and just be there to like say ten words before the the concerts to like doing the whole setup and kind of producing the whole thing, which is way beyond my pay grade and comfort level. <laughs> and so we're live streaming everything. And Adam has stepped up to be an amazing collaborator on that. And um, yeah, it's been so nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I'm, 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 I'm so excited to be, to be involved in it and, and, and thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it, ha it has been so much fun. I, I, I'm loving it. I mean, especially that, you know, none of us have been able to be involved in anything like that in over a year, you know? Yeah, it's kind of a fringe benefit. It's like we've been getting to attend live concerts before anybody else is really able to. It feels a little bit unfair, but I guess we work for it. So it's okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're putting ourselves out there to bring benefit, you know, for the benefit of the people who are, are watching, you know. Hopefully that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, even that first performance with Jonathan uh, Hanau, as I said. Hanau. Hanau. I'm always terrible on where the accent goes. You know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am too. Um, I mispronounce names constantly. And, you know, it's, it's no reflection of the person. It's entirely me. Uh, but yeah, at that concert, I remember just like sitting there with you and David. It was just the three of us and, and then Jonathan performing. And, and like, it was so nostalgic and like kind of emotional way. Like, oh my God, I, I know how much, how much has been missed. Yeah, that was that was our first first in-person live stream. Yeah. For that we transitioned to doing pre-recorded um, performances and everybody was just coming live from their home for the Zoom premiere of that. So it was yeah, it was really special. Yeah, yeah. And it was an awesome, awesome performance <laughs> on Jonathan's part. So good. Yeah, there was so many cool polyrhythmic figures that he had oh. in that these ostinatos and I was just like, Oh my God. I know we're just nerding out. Yeah. <laughs> the non-musicians uh, uh, who listen to this are going to be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, Something to look up. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we could, we could explain it, but I don't think that's uh, uh, I don't want to get into it right now. <laughs> Pause and Google come back. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, I'm curious a little bit more about uh, your composing and stuff because I, I love I love when uh, performers start to to write music and stuff because the way I kind of see it uh, from my perspective and I'm curious your thoughts uh, is as a performer you you've been playing so much music for many years and you're playing a lot of people's music so you have this wealth of experience of looking at high quality music and also low quality music too right <laughs> um and so in my mind it's like you you have all of these like the composer uh what's what's the description i'm looking for like mind or something you know because you you what's that <laughs> sensibility mind yeah yeah because like you've played you know what a good climax sounds like and what makes a good climax because you've played it before you know I know so many times um that, that's such an interesting perspective because I until really recently ha had not seen it at all that way and I realized that's part of what um Richard's been helping me with is just to realize like how much 
kind of experience and knowledge and kind of taste and preferences that I have already <laughs> without having like tapped into it or realized it. Um, and I think um, that's been the really hard part. It's not coming up with ideas and, and kind of developing them, but um, trusting myself to like break the inertia of taking the first step of, of just noodling at the piano and like starting the improvisation, playing around, you know, accepting ideas, trying not to reject too many ideas outright. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when I first started piano, I loved playing Mozart, loved playing Beethoven. And I remember like being terrified at the, <laughs> the prospect of composing. So like, there's so many rules. And I know that when I play a wrong note, it's terrible. And that's a really bad thing. And how, how in the world do you learn all these rules? I'll never be able to. And so I've never quite broken out of that. Like, you know, like it, it honestly took me a while as a, a pianist, you know, we don't have, I didn't have any kind of contemporary music education, no um, instruction on how to relate to living composers or how to like champion their music, you know, how it all to relate to new music. That wasn't part of my education. And so it took me a while to learn how to trust and how to collaborate with composers in a meaningful way. And um, yeah, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't know. It just, it was like, it was a part of my brain that I, I didn't really, I saw myself as the interpreter. That was my job. So it's, it's been really remarkable to kind of learn to trust myself and realize that I have more ideas than I give myself credit for and to mm -hmm. kind of be confident with that. And I also, there's, you know, a couple, um, collaborate collaborators of mine who are primarily performers and they're incredible performers. And I've seen them recently kind of step into the composer role and do work in that way. And that's been really motivating for me. So it's like, this was also, you've not had for any formal training in composition yet. You have no uh, qualms about jumping into this role and, and developing this creativity in this way. Um, Al Tyson is actually an example of that, right? Like I, I, I think that his, his degrees are in, you know, at least in, in theory, I don't know what else his degrees are in. He's got a lot of them, but he does not have a formal degree in, in composition yet. He's clearly an incredible composer <laughs> like pairing it up <laughs> yeah um yeah so it's it's a process for me <laughs> yeah I, I know what you mean about the whole like trusting yourself like your uh understanding or ability or knowledge you know like it makes me think about when um like if you're trying to solve a problem like in your house you know it's like oh the water is leaking under the sink why what is happening and like you're like looking you're like looking at all the things and you're like well i'm not a plumber i don't know should i should i try to fix this you know <laughs> right like clearly this water shouldn't be coming out and i think this is the thing i need to do to, but this is not yeah I, I one thing that was really helpful that um richard was talking to me about was like you know i told him that whole thing about like oh man i can't follow these rules. And he's like, well, think about why you remember Mozart, why you remember Beethoven, Shostakovich, like these people at a certain point, they break the rules. And when they start to break the rules, that's when their music gets really interesting. So he's trying to encourage me to not worry so much about like mimicking styles that I played so often, but kind of just, you know, if I'm composing for myself, which is what I'm doing right now, then just try to follow my ideas and not worry about following any kind of set of structures or rules necessarily right now. <laughs> so yeah, cool. totally. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the, the sort of challenging things with 
uh, or aspects about like most stuff when you start in the, in the beginning is, is it's like, well, what do what are the limits? Like, where do I, like, what are the rules Like you're saying, you know? And, <laughs> and if I do this, is, is that bad? Like, <laughs> Which when you think about it, like if you're trying out tennis for the first time, you're not thinking about like, what are the ins and outs of tennis rules? You're thinking about how do I get the ball over the net? So like, right. it's weird that we approach composition in this really like backwards <laughs> way seemingly than, than we would a lot more tactile. Every day. Yeah, yeah, that's it's you know, and and I think um, I think part of it definitely stems from our our training because in school, like when we learn theory and history and like we learn about these people and stuff, but even when you learn about them, it's like Beethoven didn't follow any rules. You know, he started the Third Symphony with a, a five chord, and that right. was like that was like boom, you know. <laughs> starting concertos with the piano like what's what's going on <laughs> exactly exactly like he would he would transition uh, no there wouldn't even be a transition from one theme to the next it would just be like here we are and then all of a sudden it's boom you know like rule breaking I know. yeah exactly you know so uh um it's yeah it's so it's i i battle with my own i battle with rules that i create for myself you know like these sort of self-imposed limitations like uh um like when you start to sort of figure out like oh this is what i do mm-hmm. and then if you do something outside of what you think of as your voice then it's like oh no am i being inauthentic or those are such yeah i i mean i don't know what you feel about that but like i think those voices can be helpful in moderation as long as you're also able to like have some seasons where you can ignore it and like follow that idea mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like that's that's a voice to learn to, to balance for me mm-hmm. at least you're the same yeah yeah there's a certain level of temperament that has to happen um, yeah pun intended by the way <laughs> <laughs> i like i'm a fan of dad jokes you know like i'm not a dad but i'm, I'm a fan of them it's like composite. Yeah, get the jokes down first. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Outsource them to somebody. <laughs> I feel like there should be an episode dedicated just to stuff like that. <laughs> just dad jokes, puns, and like things that only two people laugh at. You know, <laughs> that'd be like Conan O'Brien's podcast, then, right? <laughs> does he have a podcast? He does. Really? It's it's great. Yeah. Oh my god. He yeah I. I used to watch him a lot, um, well, like 10 years ago, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And like, uh, I, I love how he would just be so sort of self-deprecating in many ways. Like, Yeah, that's, and he's like, he's such an anxious person, apparently, and like really neurotic. And um, I relate to that a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, so he talks like, I kind of love this, like new season we're in of, of, comics and different creatives like that are really prominent talking about like the inner workings of their mind and their practice and their insecurities and things it just makes it so much more relatable and so he talks to other comedians often about um those I think it's kind of shifted now the conversations that he has but like when he first started with this podcast it was a lot of those conversations and I found it so like I don't know it felt like such a safe place as a musician like oh I feel all these things as a performer like that's so great to know that You've also struggled with like, performance anxiety and imposter syndrome and all sorts of things. Like, it's great. What you're saying right now is like resonating so heavily with me, Marianne. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I, I'm so excited that we just came upon this on the podcast because I'm a huge fan of comedy and I listen to a lot of podcasts by comedians. I got the same feeling that you you get listening, like that whole, oh my God, I relate to this so much and and how, you know, comedians have to test out their material and they're constantly changing it and doing this. And like, um, I've heard on Joe Rogan's podcast, he said how when like comedians hate hecklers because when you're when you have a, a joke that you're saying and you're trying to set it up and then someone and like you're halfway through it and you're about the punchline and then someone interjects that just throws off the momentum and like uh, the flow yeah and it makes me think about like performing and stuff you know like i don't know a cell phone goes off or something or breaks the magic and break, yeah exactly like you said breaks the momentum there's so many parallels there yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's really cool. I love that you I love that you're uh, into the, the comedic podcast. <laughs> love it so much. <laughs> is uh is Conan is Conan uh, your top guy? He is. I mean you were just saying you're into a lot of comedic podcasts. Like I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole too deeply. Like I love Conan. He's got like consistent like so comes out pretty often with new episodes. Um well, <laughs> I guess I listen to Dak Shepard's a bit. It's not so much, he's not so much a comedian as, you know, just a, an actor, entertainer. Wasn't so much sold on his style um, as much. I didn't like his podcast quite as much, but I have to check out Joe Rogan's. I have to trade Rex here. Yeah. Um, Dax, wasn't his called like armchair? No, so, armchair something. X, armchair something. Yeah. 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 I've listened to his, I think a few times. Um yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogan's is fun because uh, when he has other comedians on it and they just sort of like uh, they just hash it out and like it's, you know, two hours, three hours long. And um, I would definitely recommend checking out Bill Burr. He's a he's a comedian who just like I think a person he's a person in general who like he just doesn't really care. And and he, he just, you know, him and Joe on the podcast, it's, it's really funny. Um, so check that out yeah he's a he's another a one <laughs> do you know do you know um oh god he was in the movie half-baked uh and he was on snl for a while the goat boy no yes no. yes oh, okay yeah um, colin i can't think of his name but yeah i know who you're talking about yeah he always he always like he has like a stoner persona yeah, yeah. <laughs> him on joe rogan's podcast is hilarious um, nice yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, going going back to the collaborative relationship and like what we were saying earlier about composing and feeling comfortable with it, like you're you've worked a good amount with with collaborating with composers and stuff, right? What when did that process begin for you? And and I'm kind of curious. Like, I feel like. Because you said earlier, um, you weren't trained in, in contemporary music, and so I almost kind of wonder, like, when you first started collaborating with composers, was the process to collaborating with composers similar to starting composing now? Does that make sense? Right, like in terms of like the the, the trust required to, yeah, that's that's an awesome question. So I think probably my first. Um, interaction with a living composer collaborating and not just playing the music, you know, in like wind ensemble of a, or percussion ensemble of a, 
because I'm a pianist, but I also have um, not insignificant percussion training in a past life. So beyond just playing the music of a living composer, actually collaborating with somebody would be my um, my cousin's composition. He's a theory professor at KU and um, have been doing a lot of composing at a certain point in his uh, graduate studies. And so for um, his composition recital or the university's composition recital, I was a junior in college and I played uh, his composition. So that was the first time, I think, at like 21. So kind of, I don't know, probably a little bit late in the game to do some kind of collaborating like that. And then, um, you know, that was an undergrad, went to grad school, pretty traditional piano performance track there. So I didn't do much more with collaborating. Um, and then I got to Chicago and I was uh, the pianist for the Civic Orchestra of Chicago and kind of was still planning on having an institution support me in my career, <laughs> you know, not have to take the more entrepreneurial self-guided route um, while I was in the Civic. Um, and, oh, this is a long-winded answer. I promise I'm going to get there. <laughs> I think in my, my first year of Civic, I organized a chamber concert with, um, I was the principal pianist and there were three other associate pianists. So I organized a chamber concert for all of us to play on. And um, I got in touch with, I, honestly, like seriously, kind of late in the game to the new music thing. So at this point I was, I think, 28 years old. Um, and we played a piece that uh, was commissioned by 8th Blackbird by a, a California-based composer. And so that was kind of, I still hadn't done any commissioning. I think the first time I thought about commissioning was after I'd formed um, my duo I have a marimba piano duo, L&M duo, and it was at a new music gathering and was at a talk about commissioning. And that's the first time that I thought, wow, like we can really have this power, this enterprise. Like I'm at a point where I can ask a composer to write a piece and like they can trust me with that and we can perform it and promote it. That's amazing. So that's kind of the first time it occurred to me that, wow, I can do this. This is, this is a cool. <laughs> and so our duo then started um, doing a lot of commissioning work. And since then I've, I've done a decent amount more of, of solo commissions and, um, you know, collaborating with different, different artists on, on new works. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's been a, an interesting road. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I like, I loved hearing about like how you, how you came into this, the new music world and uh, like the, the, civic orchestra uh, ensemble you put together was it an ensemble of like four pianists is that what it was no we each um i did play together i did i mean this is not new music but we did the bartok sonata for two pianists and two percussion so oh, i did cool. collaborate with one of um the other pianists for that but then each of them like somebody um let's see I'm not going to remember the whole program, but yeah, everybody kind of put together their own ensembles and their own pieces from different musicians in the civic and outside the civic. Um, yeah. And I think, I think since then, since finishing the civic and kind of like taking that fork in the road and realizing, okay, I'm not going to, it's very unlikely that I'll have a full-time position with an orchestra as a pianist as my career. That's like not a thing that happens for too many people these days. So mm. if not that it's like sink or swim, have to start thinking about my career in a different way. And I think um, in a really not a long period after I changed my mindset about that, I kind of started to feel at home in the new music community and collaborating on on new pieces and, um, you know, different colleagues 
existing pieces and kind of championing certain championing certain friends' music. It was a lot more organic and um, a fun. Really, really, I could I didn't realize how fun that could be. <laughs> That's cool. I, I like that a lot. I'm uh, I'm kind of curious when when you started getting into the new music um, community and stuff like that. What was something? Whether it was like I don't know, like playing at a cafe or you know, uh, playing. Uh, collaborating or something but what was something about it that you like really surprised you in a good way where you're like oh my god this is I haven't had this this is so interesting I'm so glad I'm here <laughs> um the one that like in terms of like commissioning new music you mean or yeah what, whatever whatever comes to mind really yeah the one thing that comes to mind was um a commission so with my, my duo, L&M duo, uh, we've done a little less this last year, just, you know, like circumstances and things, but it's still one of my favorite ensembles that, um, I've had the pleasure of playing with that I've, that I've made. So we did a commission by a composer named Jay Dardarian, who's, uh, on the West coast. And I think doing more like computer programming things than, than composing these days, but he's an incredible composer. And because I have this percussion background and my duo partner, um, is really facile at piano. She's a fantastic pianist. We like really wanted a chance to kind of like be a little bendy and flexible on what instruments we're playing, not just strictly me on piano and her on marimba. And so he totally took us to task on that offer and wrote this incredible piece uh, called Ludic Loops that um, it was in like five different interludes. So five different little movements. And the entire piece was a, an anagram. And we start on our own instruments and then we move to like four hands and eventually make our way to each other's instruments and like four. So we like kind of work our way around the whole instrumentation and end up back on our, our own instruments by the end. And oh my God, it was a trip. And the music itself was just so fun and like rhythmically aggressive and right down my alley. So it was <laughs> great. <laughs> That's cool. I love the, uh, the theatrical element of that too. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it, it totally it gives stuff like that is definitely something i don't think audiences will forget you know yeah. like that's that's a pretty powerful performance where the performers are just jamming out and then gradually transitioning between their parts and you I, know and i think we blew like a few people's minds like eventually they get the idea like oh okay so they're moving around but like the first time that one of us moved it's like What's, happening? <laughs> what's going on like when i go to the marimba I'm like what she can play marimba and of course i like yeah worked really hard to get my chops back up to <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> i think another one that comes to mind was uh, a commission by stephen snowden that we did that was like a huge long story of a process to make that um event come to life where like we planned this entire event around his the premiere of his new piece that was called um 25 million candles. So it was inspired by the Wrigley building downtown in Chicago. And so we got to premiere it like in the plaza right in front of the Wrigley building. And like it got lit up for the night from the outside, like exactly as we started to play the premiere. It was like, it was so, so sweet. Oh my God. That is amazing. Those are the kind of things that like, yeah, <sighs> unique to uh, this little niche in the music world. That is, I am so excited to hear that you got to do that. And I wasn't even there or anything. Like, that's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> that That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Where is Wrigley Field? Not Wrigley Field. So that is in, um, like, uh, 
geez, Lincoln Park uh-huh. really cool. So it's like the lakefront and north of downtown. Um, and then the Wrigley Building, named after the same guy, is uh, like right by the river in the lake in the lakefront. So it's mm. on the Magnificent Mile. Okay. Downtown, okay. Chicago. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I have something I'm kind of curious about right now. I need to take a look real quick. Okay. Um, you mentioned new music gathering. Um, oh, yeah. Which one did you go to? I The first one I went to was in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Peabody. And then I went to BGSU. And then is there are only two that I've been to. Oh my gosh! I've there's been I've kind of forgotten. I feel like there was a third one that I went to, but I wouldn't remember where it was. <laughs> I'm trying to because I know they do it in different locations. Did they do it in Arizona? Oh gosh, I don't remember. They had Boston, but I've definitely been mm. to the first one I went to was in Baltimore, and then the one we performed at was at um, in BG at BGSU. Um, I think I was in the composer's performer speed dating and i got one of your business cards no i swear i swear to god that's what i was just looking for because i think i think i have it somewhere that's incredible were were you in that absolutely yeah oh my god laurel Laurel actually just sent me some of the business cards that we'd had just like i thought you like i thought these would be interesting to you i'm gonna see all these it's like oh what like and like there's so many people that i now like have a regular relationship with that I met during the speed dating that like it's speed dating so you don't remember every face that you see yeah man that's that's a point for business cards oh that's so fun I know I have it too I have I have a bunch of business (laughs) cards just like right over here for for people but um yeah because when you mentioned new music gathering and then you mentioned Jay Derridan uh I met Jay at the BGSU one oh man that's I didn't even get to meet him in person there that's funny yeah, true story. <laughs> oh, I miss New Music Gathering. I so hope that it's in person in August. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool experience. I mean, it was just a, a plethora of all kinds of different presentations and performances and discussions and like experiences. It's magical. It's yeah, it's such a great thing that they've created. I'm so grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny too to think like I I'm, I think I may have been at that talk where they did the commissioning discussion. No way. I, I'm pretty sure I was. And like, to think that we were there at the same time. Like, oh my God. Yeah, Cause I went to BJSU for my uh, master's degree. Okay, that's right. I knew you had a connection there. I forgot exactly what the degree it was for. Yeah, yeah. And it would happen to be at that time when they were, when the New Music Gathering came there. How cool. Um, Which was so, like right now in history, by the way. It was like, oh I was looking God. back on, I know, You're I right. know. How weird is that? I know. <laughs> oh, it, it's so bizarre. I was walking around outside today. I was, I was walking a dog and like, God, this weather is just driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All and, over the place. It was like 86 two days ago and now it's 40 and rainy. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday I was wearing shorts. So I was like, you know, today I had my winter hat on again. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest, New Jersey kid. I know, I know. I, I, I should I should already be somewhat uh, used to it living in Ohio for a few years, but I don't know. That's okay. Um, oh, I was going to ask you about what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so you have this, this really cool 
experiences, by the way, with these collaborations you've done, like with Jay, and then um, with um, what was his name? Uh, Stephen Snowden. Stephen Snowden, right? Yeah, yeah. Wrigley, Wrigley Building, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, what has what has your collaborative relationships been like this past year, and even coming up? Like, like what projects do you have coming up, or uh, especially now that you're composing? I mean, I, I I'm, I'm I'm curious. Uh, what the collaborative process is like with you now when you're working with a composer and now that you're also composing? Well, I will say straight up, like my composing, that's that's not gonna, right? I'm, I'm professional, I'm still really focused on the performing part professionally. Sure. So I think, um, yeah, I think my, my composition practice has a ways to go before I'm going to feel comfortable performing anything of mine in public. I think that's a goal, but that will, um, you know, Maybe not in the 21-22 season, <laughs> or you know, it'll be a, a long-term goal of mine to continue. But uh, performing-wise, yeah, this last year, um, oh my goodness! So it's been a. It, did you know that we're in a pandemic right now, Adam? What? Yeah, we've so we've been in this pandemic for over a year now, and so that means the live performances haven't been able to happen. Which is, I don't know if you noticed that. This is news to me. So I, okay. So sorry to break that to you. Uh, so we've done a lot of things live streamed and you know pre-recorded, but um, so that's been a big part of my creative practice is um, obsessively recording pieces to be <laughs> to be performed by the various um, wonderful small arts organizations that I freelance that I play for. Um, so you know, performing lots of, of works. And since I can do 25 takes to get it just how I want it, I've been doing that. So that's been a little bit like hair pullingly difficult <laughs> for that, that part of my work this year. Um, but it's been so wonderful to continue to have that organizational support. Um, uh, one project that's been super, super fun. And I think really unique to this last year was a collaboration with uh, violist and composer, Michael Hall, dear friend of mine. Um, so we, uh, decided to put on a, uh, pairing concert back in December and we've been wanting to play together for ever. And this is kind of the first chance that we both had enough time to think about a project to do together. So we basically pulled together the first program was just music that we both loved that we thought would be comforting for people to hear. And, um, it turns out that we gave the world premiere of a new, uh, a version of a piece by uh, uh, Stacey Garrett. And so we kind of set the precedent for giving a world premiere at these pairing concerts where all the music is paired with specially created chocolates from this really wonderful local chocolatier and wines that were curated by this local wine shop that's fabulous. And so um, that's been such a wonderful, and it was live streamed. It wasn't pre-recorded, so it was really organic and it felt like just so much closer to live performance than um, pre-recording um, music to be premiered at a later time and so we did a second one of those pairing concerts a couple months later and continued the uh the world premiere um aspect to it so michael actually premiered his own piece at that second pairing concert which is so fun and uh so that's been like a real bright spot this last year um and i think going forward let's oh i also i recorded an album with a really interesting wonderful composer and singer-songwriter who's, um, uh, he's a Haitian-American composer and he's based in Montreal and his name is G. France. And so that was kind of a, an outspurt of the first album 
that I recorded. Um, and so that was supposed to happen at the very, like before the world closed. And we finally had a chance to do that last fall. Um, so that was a really meaningful project that we were able to focus on this last year. And yeah, it looks like things are going to start to, with any luck whatsoever, <laughs> open up this fall for, um, we have the big ear taxi festival and I have a wonderful program that I'm excited to, um, show, including a, a world premiere by another Chicago composer named Pierce Gradone. And yeah, some other fun things down the pipeline. <laughs> uh, so many cool things in that. <laughs> I loved the pairings, by the way. I remember when that was happening and stuff. How how did you uh how did you two come up come upon that? Um so the, I actually the the first pairing concert that I did, I did it because I'm I fangirl this chocolatier in Chicago. She's about my age. And I've just like idolized her ever since I discovered her chocolate shop hmm. um, at the store's Catherine and Confections. So uh, in like 2017, I decided to plan a pairing concert, which was obviously in person then um, with a, another flutist friend. So we like, yeah, we decided to pair some of the pieces on the concert um, to the chocolates. And that chocolatier is a pianist. Like she studied piano as a kid. So she listened to the pieces and she designed the chocolates around those. And it was just like a one-off thing. So I was like, oh, we both love to do this again, but it just, there was never time or, you know, a reason to make it happen. And so, yeah. And like probably October, November, I was like, well, I think I kind of, I don't know what made me think of it again. It's like, I want to make this happen. And Michael was writing to me and it's like, I wonder if Michael wants to do this with me. And he was all on board with our stupidly short timeline. And we <laughs> like, man, that was incredible. He's such a, incredible collaborator yeah that's cool yeah oh my god michael's um well both of you actually you you both uh i love seeing the things you you two put out on instagram and, and social media like uh all oh. your all your posts with with lois lane the the lovely what, what, kind, what kind of dog is she she is all sass and beautiful <laughs> she's um Every like 100% of respondents think she's a black lab, like a baby black lab, but she's uh -huh. a, a two year old mix of blue healer and mountain cur. It's like a herding dog and a hunting dog mixed together. <laughs> That's amazing. Endless amounts of energy. Oh, no wonder why she's so beautiful. That face. She's a pretty girl. I know. <laughs> mountain curs have so, like, the, the, the face is so pretty on a mountain cur. And I'm surprised you know them as a breed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the, um, the, like the patchy sort of colors mm. on them and like their faces yeah. are always like almost like Petey from the little rascals only just oh. tan and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're really like stoic looking. Like that, yeah. They're beautiful. That's cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I just assumed like, oh, she's a black lab maybe. I don't know. Right. hundred percent of respondents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she's leaner though. She's leaner than a black lab. And that's why yeah. I was questioning it. Yeah, that's why everybody thinks she's a puppy black lab because she just uh, looks like a really gangly young black lab, but she's a very full size. She's just kind of like this <laughs> skinny little <laughs> whiskey thing. <laughs> oh, I love that energy. I love that. Oh, she's she's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it keeps me young. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's great about dogs. I mean, having that, you know, because dogs are like forever five-year-olds, like five-year-old people, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just always running around, always like just excited and curious and, and nosy. 
Mm-hmm. But sometimes with like, with the reasoning ability of an adult that like, there's it, it this weird mix of toddlerism and like mature adultism. That's mm. yeah. <laughs> Hard to manage sometimes. Yeah. That yeah. uh, makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the things that you post on social media and Michael, he's always putting stuff with him practicing. And I remember, uh, was it over the summer? It had to have been probably, but when he had videos of him playing on the roof of his apartment. I know cool yeah he's he's a social media god like he's he's always putting out really interesting and consistent um material yeah 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 and and that's what it was it was like it was kind of cool to see you two come together and like oh my god this is like you know boom a big uh, a big moment in time <laughs> oh it was yeah he's really really energizing to play with when uh when i had lisa nair on the podcast um we her. yeah yeah we we had mentioned how you and her had worked together before yeah and then we started talking about uh michael and then megan enan and oh. and i was like oh my god all of them have an m name there's something there <laughs> <laughs> i told you well yeah lisa's amazing obviously and to answer your question from that podcast so it was um acm like the first first time we came together was uh seth bostead of access contemporary music was looking for composers to commission for this like uh inside the piano discovery and so her name came to mind immediately even though i had not i still have not met her in person but uh. <laughs> that, was, that was like the first collaboration we had uh yeah so uh we one of the pieces for our ear taxi program we commissioned another awesome chicago composer uh, regina harris Bayaki. um to write a piece and she like very informally from the beginning it's for myself megan and michael so she started calling us the 3m trio and it's kind of a <laughs> stuck throughout that uh, the particular collaboration oh that's cool so so viola voice and piano mm-hmm. or is there gonna be any percussion at all or Mm-mm. no Not, no just the trio okay okay yeah. and this is this is a world premiere Oh man, I have so many questions, but it's a world premiere. So I'm sure there's a lot of like, can't talk about it yet. (laughs) (laughs) But they're so good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, um, I'm so glad I live in Chicago because then I could be present for that. (laughs) You're a taxi baby. It's going to be, it's going to be so nice. (laughs) I think that night it's going to be like the planets are going to align with, with Marianne, Michael and Megan in, in one performing all in one you know piece and everything it's gonna be a moment let's just like get everybody vaccinated between now and then so we can make the yeah make it that's like not i'm so stoked for our performance but that whole festival is just lining up to be mind-blowingly good so oh, i i can't even imagine honestly i i i wanted to try to get to the one um what year was it? Oh God, twenty seventeen. I think twenty sixteen. Was that the first yeah. one? Yep. Yeah, I, I try. I wanted to get to that, and I unfortunately couldn't. I have. I have the program from it actually, because oh. um, that year Augusta Reed Thomas was the uh, uh, guest composer at Bowling Green for this this oh, thing, yeah. and she brought the programs with her, and I was like, yeah, I want one of those. Yeah. And, and uh, just kind of like you know, go thumbing through it and like seeing all the performers and ensembles and composers and it's like this is like 
this is like the Oscars for new music or something. She's such a force. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That was her thought, baby. <laughs> it, well, I, she is a force though. You're right. I mean, she, yeah. she's like someone who just is always doing something and, and it's, it's, and it's always like big. Yeah. And powerful. Yep. She's a visionary for sure. Have, have you worked with her much? Um, not, no, but there, but, uh, yeah, I might have a, I hope to quite soon. Okay. So, not much to say about that yet. But yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, I, whenever I look at the stuff that she has going on or, you know, what she does at the university of Chicago and, um, d- did she start that ensemble, the CC, what's it called? I think yeah, I'm pretty sure that was an initiative of hers, the um, Chicago Center for Contemporary Composition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also started the Grossman Ensemble. That's the that's what I was thinking of the Grossman Ensemble. Yeah, um, yeah. She just handles all parts of the planning of these incredible artistic endeavors just masterfully. She's yeah, she's incredible. I I I strive. I wish I could do that. I I I struggle with that stuff, you know. We all do. I know. <laughs> Good case study. <laughs> we should all watch her so closely. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, like trying to balance all these different aspects of of being a musician and like, you know, I mean, like you, you know, like like we've been talking about for you is is getting your feet wet of being a composer and stuff, and um, you know, being a pianist and New Music Chicago and and you teach as well, right? I do. Yeah. Um, I do. I maintain a, a fairly small private studio. I teach at the Music Institute of Chicago and have a, a small handful of private students. Um, yeah, it's it's a challenge. I always, I don't know how you think of it. I always think of my career as just like a pie. And so there's like these different areas of the pie that get a certain amount of my time and energy and which contribute a certain amount of my income, which, you know, is never, it's, it goes, it's all over the place. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, balancing how big of a part of the pie the teaching is versus the performing versus the you know other aspects of making artistic projects happen um mm. I'm, I'm sure you talked about that with other other guests on your podcast but it's like an always evolving balance of those pie pieces yeah it's a and not only like to get past the point of like i find myself challenged right now at not only thinking of like okay how do i want to balance this but like how do I want this to be balanced five years from now? So that's a question that's always kind of scared me, but I realized, okay, I've got to like, this is a question you need to face. Otherwise, like, how are you going to know what direction you're going to go and more than two years into the future, right? So trying to think of more overarching ideas and goals for my career is, is something I'm currently kind of juggling and considering. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the foresight and planning yeah <laughs> that's 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 tricky yeah i've i've always i've always been kind of yeah i had trouble with that what what is your like how far ahead do you think like you're you usually look like are you like i look only a week ahead or a month or like five months or like where are you with that um i try i i think usually i have trouble thinking in terms of like concrete planning more than mm-hmm. a year ahead Mm-hmm. Um, but a year feels comfortable and too much less than that starts to feel 
anxious in terms of like having enough time to learn music for, you know, different programs or different things. That's kind of the guiding force there. <laughs> it's like, how much time do I have to learn this program? And so it's, yeah, probably like one year in advance and like the shortest term that feels comfortable at all is like four months in advance mm. or something. Um, and of course there's always like, those are like the big rocks that go to the bottom of the jar, right? You want those things to be in place and to be well-planned. And then there's like all these other little one month, two week pebbles that can settle in around those. But like, it, yeah, it's always a challenge to like make sure all the big things are in place and you don't forget about them and you keep space for them. <laughs> and then, yeah. But yeah, I, I have trouble like with the conceptual planning of further than a year away. I feel like that's something I'm currently trying to get better at. And so have you, have you always felt comfortable like uh, thinking yearly or, or has there been a, a gradual build to well, that? <laughs> no yeah <laughs> definitely not always felt comfortable with that <laughs> you know probably my school years if any of my former teachers will listen like yeah I'm generally ready at a performance but like to be ready for something even one rehearsal one lesson before a performance was unlikely so like very much like by the skin of my teeth as deadlines came up would yeah, wasn't wasn't the best at foresight and planning until <laughs> say like my early thirties probably. Yeah, yeah. late early thirties. That that makes sense. I think a lot of us are that when we're in school. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like you're just thinking about what do you have to do today, yeah. or even in the next hour. You know, like planning. What do I have out. to do to not create stress dreams that will revisit me for decades to come? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> going to sleep and, and then just uh having those nightmares of, of like well actually for me it's not even going to sleep it's not going to sleep because I'm so anxious about what I have to do tomorrow oh, you yeah. know yeah what's up with that like I feel like the mind always has a way of like it's so concrete it always does it it's always right before bed that it starts thinking the things you need to do in that moment it's like <sighs> it's a trick to like quell that beast <laughs> There is. I I had a I, I I had a sleep therapist for a period because it was so severe. Oh wow. Yeah, and what what uh, was happening for me was I kept myself so busy all day, mm -hmm. constantly trying to do things and taking information and whatnot. By the time I was going to bed, I treated laying down, which you're doing nothing except laying there, right, for bed. I treated that as like time to think about things because now I have the mental space to do that oh yeah yeah and so bed for me was a, I associated it with work and not relaxation gosh that seems like so obvious but like you don't think of that unless somebody can point that out to you in that way it's so stupid Funny. it's so stupid <laughs> you know I've I found, I see like you're saying you're sleeping. That was your time where your mind is like open and able to kind of like turn these wheels. I found that for me, that comes during when I walk. <laughs> like, mm. I think I love walking and I feel like such a nerd about it. Cause it's so boring, but like, I'll just walk like going on a 12 mile walk would be like my idea of a fantastic morning <laughs> for lunch. I don't do it all the time, but, it, but it's just because like, your mind can, I don't know what it is about it, but my mind can go places that it doesn't go when I'm sitting, focusing on a task. Like it's, it's able to come up with different connections for things and different ideas. Like, I don't know. It's like literally the things start churning. 
and I'm the same exact way. I, I love going for walks, uh, through, like just kind of cruising around the neighborhood, walking up to uh, Humboldt Park, walking through over by yeah. the water. Um, That's a beautiful I, process. Like it's such a fun place to be mentally. <laughs> it really is. And the thing with that too, I, I like, you know, you said about like sort of freeing, like allowing your mind to just sort of wander and stuff. Um, you're not setting any hard expectations on what you need to be thinking about. It's just sort of taking it as it comes. And yeah. yeah. And then of course, like I tend to get anxious, like, Oh, can't forget that idea. <laughs> like, right. I forget it. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, uh, sometimes like, that's like a part of my composing process is I'll go for a walk and I'll have my phone on me, but I put on airplane mode. Cause I, I'm thinking, I don't want to be interrupted. Yeah. But I'll, I'll use it to record something like, oh, and I'll even like sing into it or, you know, say whatever the idea is that I have, like, all right, the flute plays right. this high F for like 28 minutes, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm sure flute players would love that. <laughs> Keep walking, buddy. Keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea just to make little notes to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have this little pad with a pen and stuff on it too, but I just, I, I was never good with carrying it because I hate having things in my pockets. Yeah. Even though a phone is a thing in my pocket, I don't know, that's that's stupid. <laughs> you do so many things though. It's like having an entire backpack of things in a phone. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, I recently started doing this thing, going back to the whole idea of like uh, scheduling and stuff like that it's been a total game changer changer for me with um, in my phone. I set my calendar for just a week. Like, so I only can see a week. Right. Oh. And uh, for like, for like, um, like I, I treat my phone calendar as my short term. Okay. And then I have like an actual thing. Um, That's a cool system. But not only that, I started using emojis for whatever thing I had to do. So like this podcast, for example, I use a headphone emoji so I know exactly what the task is. That's what that is for. That's so smart. Yeah. And so like, it's actually made things like just seeing the the emoji, like makes it all, it's such a difference, you know? I'm stealing that. That's, that's really good. By all means, use it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 no question. When I saw the entry for today's conversation, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, it's the podcast. There's no question what that is. <laughs> oh, it, it edited it on your thing? It sure did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah because um for anyone who listens or watches this or any, anything uh i use this uh megan enan actually talked about on her episode uh i use calendly mm -hmm. calendly how do you say that calendly you don't say it you use it no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something from like a an snl skit like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a new yorker like you don't say it you use it you know like <laughs> Um, but yeah, I use Calendly and, um, whenever anyone's on the podcast, I have it set already to what my schedule, my availability is. And like, so Marianne shows the time that works, you, you know, the time for what works for you. Mm -hmm. And then once, once she filled it out, we both get emails notifying us like, oh, uh, this is happening now. And not only that, it gets added to your calendar. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I, when it was added on my calendar, I edited the uh, thing to have the little headphones emoji and then it went through to Marianne's as well. So, so great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a cool little tool. Um, it, it's fun too, trying to figure out what emojis you want to use for certain things, you know? 
How many different emojis for keyboards are there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was trying to like decide what should be the emoji for New Music NMC Presents. Yeah, I was and, literally just thinking about that when you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, what should an emoji be for a rehearsal? Or should it all be the same? Or like, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know. Those are the questions for the next walk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, these are the hard questions that need to be uh, studied and, and, and analyzed for years. <laughs> it's a thorough process um yeah yeah so what um what sort of things do you have coming up short term like like let's say like short term like next uh like two to three months okay um so actually i just wrapped up a couple um things in the last couple of weeks i did uh so like this week i feel like free as a bird so i did a recording project with uh crossing borders music which is another chamber ensemble where i'm uh, serve as the pianist. So we did a, a Mother's Day program. So we got to record music by Florence Price and Teresa Carreño and um, a couple other wonderful composers. So did that last week. That's going to be premiered in the next couple weeks. Um, we also recorded uh, a program with the same group by a composer named uh, Ustacio Rosales, um, who's had some time in Chicago. He, I forget when he passed away, but he was like a late, uh, mid 20th century composer. Um, so that's another program with Crossing Borders that's going to come out in like two or three weeks from now. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also recorded um, and did a live performance and a pre-recorded version for a virtual presentation of Sound of Silent Film Festival, mm -hmm. which is a, a oh. festival that Access Contemporary Music uh, has put on for 16 years now. So that's a really incredible um, experience. So it's pairing original scores with uh, short silent films. Um, yeah, it's such a cool concept. So that's, that's actually next weekend that's going to premiere. So those are all coming up. And then I've kind of, um, so far have managed to, to keep my performance palette mostly clean because I have, um, some really fun, I guess. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I wish I could say more things. So, uh, at some point, probably somewhere in August, I'm going to get to premiere a really fantastic new Prelude for Solo Piano by Stephanie Ann Boyd um, that's called Pincushion Protea. So she, if you haven't, do you know Stephanie or of her? Ooh, the, her name sounds very familiar, but I don't think I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, okay so she she lives in, in New York. She's uh, uh, originally from Michigan and has been in New York for the last several years. Really wonderful composer. And she uh, started this huge commissioning project uh, where she commissioned 11 different pianists um, and one of them was commissioned twice. So there's 12 preludes, uh, all based on that pianist's favorite flower. And so mm. it's her flower catalog. And it's really loosely inspired by the WC uh, books of preludes. And uh, so mine was Pincushion Protea, which is this really weird pokey flower, if you haven't seen it before. Um, so that's the next premiere that I have coming up. Um, that'll hopefully be in August. And uh, yeah, hopefully more specific details on on the where and when soon um no and i guess yeah it's going to be at the new music gathering i don't know if it's going to be virtual or in person or what the exact date's going to be so that's i'm really really looking forward to that and like buckling down and learning that um let's see the ear taxi festival which you talked a little bit about is going to be a couple months after that and there's going to be a few other really cool projects that i wish i could speak more on now but <laughs> to come in the fall but the summer is going to be kind of dedicated to learning learning that music oh i'm also starting a, a leadership program 
like it's not another uh, graduate degree, but it's kind of like a graduate certificate, mm. 12 month program with this uh, thing called like global leaders program. That's uh, just designed to give like working musicians, like a broader tool belt to be leaders in the arts, in all these different areas. So that'll be fun. That starts late this summer. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That'll be intense, but good. So many, so many really interesting and exciting things going on in your world, Marianne. Oh, man, after this year, it's, it's so nice, isn't it? To have things start to move along a little bit. Yeah, that's just beautiful. It's so nice. You're right. I mean, God, fuck 2020. Like that's, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's exciting to see that you like, like the, these interesting projects, like, air taxi is going to be a big deal. And, and the, the preludes, but with Stephanie, that's cool. I always, I always get excited when I hear composers who are um, writing music that, that gets, it's either based or influenced by another composer or artist you know, because like you're kind of getting a little glimpse into the composer themselves of, of what they, you know. Yeah, kind of gives it a little a little structure to jump off from, and yeah. And then the the the, the uh, connection with the flowers and stuff too, which is also like impressionism, right? I think of Monet and his his Japanese bridge with all the flowers and stuff coming down. Yeah, you know, like so. Um, yeah, it uh, seems almost like a. Like, yeah, not only like visual influence, but with this, like almost like sometimes tactile and scent, like a lot of different sensory influences. With are you going to, are you going to perform and have some flowers on the piano or anything or like. I thought about that, but that's a really wonderful idea. <laughs> that could be cool. Uh, yeah. Have a little flower in your, uh, behind you. I could pop one as like a, oh my gosh, that's next level. <laughs> <laughs> We're building it up. It's, yes. it's. It's funny because I was wondering what a po ponea? Protea. Oh, protea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know plants. I also don't know what that is. <laughs> you said it's like a spiky sort of. Yeah, like you wouldn't find it naturally anywhere in this climate. It's like mm. very much like a warmer, more tropical um, flower. So it's got these like, I don't know what the part of the flower is, but the stems maybe? There's like these pokey little pincushion things, like little pins on top, and they're like bright orange. And the whole flower is just like this textural masterpiece. It's oh, it's so weird. It's crazy. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my my girlfriend, uh, like the last year or two, has gotten really into plants, and mm. uh, she has a lot of a lot of succulents. Does she have good luck keeping those alive? Uh, yeah. Actually, she she's. I got her uh, uh, plant lights because we live Aww. in we live we live in the basement of our apartment. Okay. So we don't get very good sunlight here. That's um, a love language right there. That's very nice. What's that? <laughs> Getting the plant lights. That's yeah, I I um, it was definitely important, and 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 she uh, you know she was bummed with the the plants. They weren't they weren't thriving really well, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the plants multiply. There's more and more. Yep. <laughs> more and more. <laughs> you and David might have another conversation topic next to uh, NMCP. <laughs> yeah. Like you can tell a difference after having the, the lights on them. Yeah, actually, uh, it, it's worked pretty well. Um, most of the plants are sitting right in like the one window we really have up front by the sidewalk. <laughs> um, but she, she still has the lights. Um, she has one actually 
one of the lights is in the window as well. Okay. And then we have another one um, just off by the kitchen and stuff where there's a little bit more room. And that those plants don't even get any light except for the artificial one. Okay. Um, and I think she uses that for, oh, what's the word? Propagating? Yeah. Starting new babies. Yes, yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think that's what she uses it for. I don't know. She's gonna be, she's gonna hear me say this and she's gonna be like, how did you not know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, it seems like in the like the plant community is very like um it's like uh the people love their plants, like you know, just we sure do. That's, I feel like I'm, I'm like stumbling into plant parenthood with like no expertise and no real knowledge and like not wanting to invest a ton of money into it. Cause I just have so little faith in my ability to keep them alive, but like little by little, you know, few, I haven't had a plant die in quite a while now, like successfully propagated a few. Uh-huh. And so it's, yeah, it's a fun, fun hobby. I don't know if you saw like my big pandemic project was like, overhauling our building's shared backyard from like a wasteland into kind of a nice place to hang out. <laughs> yeah, I saw the photos. It looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Very, very DIY, very uh make you want to go see a chiropractor after all the collecting <laughs> of the stones and stuff, but that's fun. So I got to do a lot of planting back there and stuff too. And it's like I never, I've always underestimated like the amount of happiness that you can get just like going out every day and seeing like something growing by like one millimeter. It's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Did you, did you plant um, like, like a lot of flowers and stuff? Are there like vegetables and herbs or what is your? Um, In years past, but like David made a raised bed and I tried to do different vegetables and stuff. Um, And like my prized harvest from that year was a carrot that had like huge greens but was the size of my pinky nail that was the extent of my agriculture um and we have a ton of rats that we like to support Uh... so yeah i don't like to share food with them so it's mostly just flowers to look at um that makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah yeah i saw um the, there's just those rat signs all over the place. Don't feed the rats. And, you know, for those who don't live in Chicago, there you are rats. You can't win with it. I put out a bird feeder and now the rats found their way to like the husks from the bird seed. And it's like, come on, dudes. And that Lois Lane chases the rats away. So it's all okay. It'll work. There out. you go. Lois Lane is, uh, she's like, oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> and she's faster than the rat too. So like she lets them get away. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's just playing with them. She wouldn't know what to do with herself. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, she's she's just like, like I, I can get you, but I let you get away. <laughs> and I won't be able to chase you anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We uh, When I was younger, we had a Jack Russell Terrier. And they're like, that's their, like they were bred to chase rodents and stuff. Yeah. And where I lived in New Jersey, my grandma lived closer to the Pennsylvania border and she had like 13 acres of land and it was mm-hmm. like, well, it was like a farmland in a way. Mm-hmm. And we'd take our, our dog up there whose name was Wishbone, like the show, you know, and uh, oh, he would go crazy in the field, like burying his face into these like mouse holes and stuff oh. and trying to find them and like, <laughs> loved it. Go for that! 
yeah yeah it's like it's like this is his environment he's good just he'll he'll be doing that for the next hour like that's amazing for the next 21 years yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's so exciting too like seeing animals sort of in their environment like that or particularly dogs because like dogs are so domesticated but um but they're animals you know yeah yeah hard agree so they, great so yeah <laughs> they have that instinct yeah. but um but yeah, I think I think we've gotten uh, we've talked about some good stuff today. How do you feel about everything? Yeah, how long has it been now? Like fifteen let's, minutes. Let's see here. It has been. Do 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 do. Checking the timer. We have been going for an hour and 10, 15 Are you minutes. Kidding? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> bye. It does, right? yeah how, how do you feel about everything feeling good that was really fun yeah awesome I said, like anything useful to anybody else but it was a lot of fun <laughs> no i i think you said so much that's really useful especially talking about um you know your experience with composing and, and then starting to collaborate and like your whole process and um yeah you know. yeah i'm glad you asked about that that was like that's a journey that's I don't know, it's like hard to explain. It happened over like kind of so smoothly and yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, you know, I'm definitely interested in the composer, you know, aspect <laughs> and like all that stuff. And, um, but, uh, and, and obviously with, you know, amazing performers like yourself, um, it's, it's just so exciting, you know, seeing, seeing people just kind of go and, and try things out and then, and then start to pursue certain paths and, and like, kind of like you were saying about, um, um gardening you know like you're saying like no, i'm not trained in it i'm gonna try this out though i'm interested in it and you try know, on you, error. yeah Thanks. yeah <laughs> it's it's so cool though um but before before we finish this call here do you would do you want to you know let the people know about your uh you know, how to contact you and stuff if anyone wants to reach out or follow you and see see the cool things that you're posting with you and, and Lois, the dog. And sure, absolutely. Um, so you can always find me on my website, which is just mariamparker.com, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E-P-A-R-K-E-R.com, um, which I need to update much more often, but uh, that's, that's a great way to be in touch and has some pertinent information on it. Um, you can also find me more about like music goings on over on Twitter. Um, and if you want to see more Lois Lane goings on and things like that, I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, so you can find me. I think it's like M and then four R's and then A-N-N-E on Instagram. <laughs> so um, but you can find me easily on Twitter. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, this has been so cool. I'm so glad that we got to do this. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blast. Thank you.